Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Danny Kelly. Welcome to the Trans Europe Express podcast. Alongside me for the next two hours this week, it's Mark Langdon. Football brains, we always say, the size of a passing meteorite. And on today's show, we'll be featuring, well, the news that uh, the title in Germany has been won by a 72-year-old manager. We'll also be looking at the race for the title in Italy, which was nearly, nearly, nearly lost and then came back to life. And we'll be reporting from Portugal with one of the nuttiest stories to happen in even in European football uh, this season, which is saying something. All of that, plus our most controversial poll of all time. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed doing it. If you do, then you've had a ball and you should report to iTunes and say, man, that's a great podcast. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. very much for three hours of the final word and welcome now to another Sunday night edition of Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express. I'm the aforementioned Danny Kelly alongside me for the second week running as a reward for his service last week which knocked the other co-presenters into a cocked hat. I'm delighted to say that Mark Langdon is here with me again. Not only does he work for the Racing Post but he's already written, he's written a best-selling book about the World Cup which um, he's almost completed. It'll almost certainly be ready in time for the big tournament every game live here on Talk Sports in the next two hours we're reviewing everything that's happened in the continent this weekend we've got a European cult hero for you some musical homework um, Simon Caller will continue his travel guide to the World Cup the goals they go in from tonight's big games Valencia against Espanyol Marseille against Montpellier and of course I'd imagine that they uh, well, quite emotional Milan against Sassuolo. Um, we've got a new fe- feature for you, of course, our Trans Europe Express Q&A. And we've got the most controversial poll in the history of this programme, which is saying something. And next week's poll is, which has been the most controversial poll on Trans Europe Express? I'm going to start with the poll. Mark Langdon chose these. And the poll is, uh, and a weekend of huge derbies, all over the continent. Um, which of these is the biggest European derby? Um, the Milan derby, the Old Firm derby in Glasgow, the Manchester derby, which saw such uh, fireworks and shenanigans the last evening, or the derby in Istanbul between, Mark? Well, we, we, we've gone for the, the, the obvious one of Gala v. Fener. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Besiktas have got the, maybe something to say about that, but the more traditional intercontinental derby is that of Gala. The uh, first 300 questions I've got on Twitter here are, what happened to Merseyside? 
Well, I, if it was down to me, Danny, it um, was down to you. If Langdon. it was, if it was down to me, the North London would be in there. So I think it's a it's a clear sign that, that I had nothing to, um, to to do with it. You say you're no you're no fingerprints on this one from you, yeah? No, I, I mean I've I've um, I actually voted for the, for the Manchester one. Um, I, I I just feel now um, it, it maybe is because of well, I mean, after yesterday's game, how can you deny it? You the know? two managers um, as yeah. well, I think, do make that. Uh, obviously, I think traditionally the, the the old firm derby, but with Rangers being well, so you, far you, behind, you can vote on Twitter in that poll uh, um, at, at Talksport at Danny Kelly Words at Mark Langdon. Um, you can vote in any of those um, uh, on Twitter for the and you can tell us what you think is a better one if you can think of one Valencia have scored uh, oh, scored early in their game against Espanyol. Uh, Rodrigo with a goal for Valencia after seven minutes. That one's about 20 minutes in. It's uh, nil-nil still between Milan and Sassuolo uh, after about 20 minutes. And they've just started uh, in the game between uh, Marseille and Montpellier. That one's still goalless. And since we're... I, mean, I know we should get on to the football. Since we're doing it at the poll, why don't we do the musical homework as well? And congratulations to Jupp Heynckes, 72 years young, um, and the manager of... Uh, Bayern Munich, uh, certainly the oldest manager in Germany ever to win um, the Bundesliga title. Maybe, somebody can put me right here, Mark might be able to. How old was Alex Ferguson when he won his last title at Manchester United? Oh, I don't um, know. But certainly one of the older people ever um, to win a, t- a title in the big leagues in Europe. So to celebrate Jupp's achievement, um, we're having songs with old in the title or songs about being old. Um, and simply to uh, text your request there to 81089. You can tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Let's start the football. Um, let's start, I think, well, of course we have to start with Italy. And the headline is The Late Late Show. And if what went on in Manchester yesterday was something to see, then what's gone on in Italy at the top of the table over the past 24 hours? Also making the hair stand up on the back of your head. Absolutely uh, thrilling stuff. I, I think after 88 minutes in Naples today, most people declared the title race over. At that point, Napoli were losing, very surprisingly, uh, by one goal to nil against Chievo. This following, and we'll come back to it, an amazing game involving Juventus yesterday, but we'll come back to that. that you've, you've had 1-4-2, put the pressure uh, on Napoli, and after 88 minutes, Napoli... Um, you know, seen as bottle jobs, seen as chokers. Um, you know, not quite able to get over the the the, the final line. Uh, we're kind of proving that theory right against uh, Kievo. One nil down uh, when Milik equalised after eighty eight, nearly eighty nine minutes. It looked like nothing more than um, you know a point, which still wasn't really um, enough. He's he's got his header on the back post, and then in injury time, Diora, who was in for uh, Jorginho, uh, somebody that we haven't seen that much. Of this season scored his first goal of the season wow. took it beautifully uh, bent it into the corner uh, from a corner uh, the stadium uh, I've spoken about it quite a lot this season uh, and kind of the way that the, the people of Naples are with the club and are, are so involved it's emotionally it's so reminiscent of the Maradona title year I'm old enough to remember that where it became a matter of regional pride that Naples it, won the title and, 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 and for, for Napoli um, like I said their fans are emotionally invested in this um, title race it's their best team since the Maradona era I mean they're sick of people outside um, saying what lovely football they play but they're chokers they're not going to get over the line Juve from the north they're efficient Napoli from the south not going to do it too emotional uh, yeah and and you know they, they kind of 
put a lot of people wrong, I, I, I think, t- today because people had said, well, they've got no plan B. Well, Milik came off the bench. They're physically imposing striker that doesn't really fit into their first team with the, the small guys they play up front um, and, and scored a header on the back post. Not really a goal that, that Napoli score. Then Diwara, again, you know, th- there's no depth to this Napoli squad. Well, he's somebody that doesn't play every week. He comes in, he scores the goal. And like I said, they were 1-0 down. Uh, Koulibaly made a horrible mistake. He doesn't make many. Mertens had missed a penalty. The story was there for for the title race to be done and dusted um, effectively today. Now it's game on. Napoli go to San Siro next week to take on Milan. They've got Juve at the end of April all to play for. Indeed, and we should mention, I mean, look, on paper at least, the result that put the pressure on uh, Napoli, Benevento 2, Juventus 4, looks like pretty ordinary business, but it's anything but. Yeah, a, a strange game. For Juventus, I mean, Benevento, of course, the, the absolute minnows have only got 13 points this season. Twice came from behind to, 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 to level matters. Um, Juve, uh, the, the kind of critics of Juve say, unsurprisingly, were given two penalties via VAR. I think one was clearer than the other, but probably both. Um, VAR had a lot to do in this game, it, didn't it? Did, it, yeah. it, it, it did. Um, and Dybala ended up with a hat-trick. Uh, Douglas Costa scored a, a stunning goal that kind of took it away um, from, from Benevento at the end. Diabate had earlier scored two goals for Benevento against um, Juve. And uh, this is something I've been talking about quite a lot. This is, I don't think Juve are playing that well. And the fact that they were pushed so hard by Benevento and we'll get on to the, the Champions League kind of mess um, that, that they're in. Top of the day, about nine o'clock will do that. You yeah. know, so that, that they are four points clear. I still don't think it's over. They've, got, they've still got to go to Inter and Roma, who are in the, the mix for Champions League after that game against Napoli. So they've got a, di- to play I mean, for. a difficult thing to say about a team that's perennial channels, champions. They've actually got a very difficult run in Juventus. That game with Benevento, probably the last of the games they can take for granted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if they get past that little tricky spell that I mentioned, um, you know, with the, the Napoli-Inter um, and, and also sure. the, the game against Roma, they'll feel like they, they've got it done. But they've got to get through it. Quite. And meanwhile, behind them, in what's been a pretty exciting weekend in, in Italy, the race for those Champions League places, um, I want to say, because it's Italy, an Italian job, I want to say that the, the doors have been blown off that race, haven't they? <laughs> With both Roma and Inter beaten. They have, yeah. And, and both really um, surprised. I mean, Roma didn't rotate everybody. There was a couple of ins and outs you know, after the Barcelona game, but... Um, they dominated against Fiorentina, but they were done by two goals um, to nil. Benassi and Simeone just continuing Fiorentina's amazing run. And we should say that uh, I think I think you said this to me outside. I'm not making. I'm not pretending I knew this. That since um, their captain Astori died, they've won every single football match. It's been. Um, it's galvanised the club in a way that I don't think many people expected. Uh, uh, there were. There were the club was pulling in so many different directions. The fans and the O uh, were, were really against the owners. That seems to have stopped for for a little while. And it's a is... run that's absolutely catapulted and back into the race for European football. Yeah, for, in terms of Europa League, which could go down mm. as low as seventh. But in terms of the Champions League hunt, uh, Roma lost Inter. Again, I thought they were unlucky today. They lost 1-0 to Torino. Leic got the goal. Um, Icardi had, had a decent chance. It was well saved. They hit the they hit the woodwork a couple of times, so they were a bit unlucky. But um, not been a very good week for Inter because they drew uh, the Milan derby nil nil in midweek when Icardi missed two. Um, virtual open goal. Well, one of them was an absolute sitter. That, which he... that was, of course, the day that uh, our colleague and friend here at TalkSport, Ray Wilkins, passed away. And fr- I mean, the, a sign of what Ray meant, not just in this country, but around the world, was that before that game, 
um, there was a tribute paid to him at the side of the pitch by none other than Franco Baresi, who talked about his friend Ray Wilkins. Incredible. Absolutely. Um, beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, and Also, I want to say this, actually, and also well done uh, to the football fans around the country yesterday who were cheering for Ray Wilkins, but also Chelsea today. I thought the little bit and thing they did with the flowers on the seat where he used to be assistant manager, I thought that was really, really well done. I, I was at uh, AFC Wimbledon versus Scunthorpe, and there, there was a lovely uh, minute's applause for, for, uh, for him there Good. as well on, on Saturday. But it's very tight in, in, in this hunt for top four. Roma, Lazio into one point uh, between the three of them. Lazio took full advantage of the uh, mishaps of their top four rivals with a 2-1 victory out of form. Udinese, they were 1-0 down early on. Immobile and Luis Alberto um, managed to get the goals. And I'm cheering on uh, Lazio in this race because they're the ones that are fighting. You know, they've got the Europa League as well. So it would be easy for them to kind of give up on one of these competitions. They went semi-finals of the Coppa Italia. You know, they're, they're having a, a great campaign. I think it'd be a real shame if they don't qualify for the Champions League through you know one way whether that be top four or Europa League as you mentioned Benevento so plucky against Juve they're, they're, they're going down they don't have enough points to make a fight of it but down the bottom now the, re- the race to avoid relegation uh, four points covering the next six teams and a very, very important win for Crotone, our old friends Crotone. Yeah, well, uh, one 1-0 one against Bologna very disappointing um, but Bologna team I think this season but Amazing, isn't it, how when teams are, are, are struggling, they've struggled all season, suddenly out of nowhere, they all start winning together. We've had uh, Verona beating Cagliari by one goal to nil. You mentioned Crotone winning 1-0 as well. Spal got a good point against uh, Atalanta as well. So really tightened up at the bottom. So Swolo in action tonight could really do with something for their short trip to uh, Milan as well. So, Mark, um, tell, tell me about this, if I may. Um uh, because I think given when we talk about these bottoms of the leagues, I'm always the question always comes to my mind, and maybe you've got a better answer than me. Obviously, in this country, if you fall out of the Premier League into the Championship, it is considered an absolute disaster. Financially, you can go in a tailspin like the Sunderlands of this world. Is it the same in Italy, for instance? Or are these clubs, because we know generally the top seven or eight teams in Italy, are these clubs happy to bounce up and down? Uh, Serie Serie I, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're happy to um, you know to, to be yo-yo clubs. The dramatic fall, I don't think, is quite as bad. Can't be, can um, it? Particularly for a lot of these smaller teams that are running on meagre budgets anyway. So Crotone, uh, Benevento, Spa. They, they've not kind of come up and overspent beyond beyond their means. So if they do go down, I mean, it's very. Um, what I would say about Serie B is, it, I mean, you think the championship's competitive. There is not a lot between a whole host of teams in Serie B. So not easy to come up, but they, that financial oblivion isn't quite so bad as long as you run the club properly in the first place. And of course, we'll, in, in, when we talk about Germany in a little while, we'll talk about uh, the team uh, who we had. This is, Mark, this is, this is uh, Rob Daly putting in the, the nails of their coffin a few weeks ago, fighting back the perennial... Well, you know what I'm talking about. The perennial fighters back. Who's your star of the week? My star of the week is Immobile. Scored his 27th goal um, th- this season in Serie A. That makes him the, the highest... It's the, the best ever total for a, a Lazio striker. And when you think of some of the big names they've wow. had, even recently, Crespo, Signori, players like that, what a season he has had. Maybe not for the national team, but for his club side.
As you'll hear later in the show, Bayern Munich are the champions of Germany. No surprise in that, but once again, it's amazing to watch in the dugout for the latter half of this season. Jupp Heynck is 72 years of age, is uh, organising their team. So to celebrate that tonight, it's songs with old in the title. Songs about actually being old, don't have to have old in the title at all. Text me 81089, tweet me at Danny Kelly Words with your request. This, of course, is the Mighty Four Tops, and it's the same old song. James Jameson on lead bass there, of course. Actually, I could just sit here and listen to that for the next two hours, but I've got Mark Langdon um, to satisfy it as well. And uh, next up, we're going to talk about Spain, where um, our lovely, our headline is so weak, it's having to, it's actually got cr- crutches to allow it to stand up straight. It's El Statico. I wrote that. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. And this is off the back of uh, a business as usual victory for Barcelona. Does that take, are they, t- have they won the title yet? They haven't won the title yet, no, quite, no. but um, it, it's not going to be long. No, um, they, they, beat, yeah. they beat Leganes three goals to one, but you then have got, you're going to drop um, a, an absolute, um, what's the word I'd use? A knowledge bomb on us <laughs> of, of, of statistics about that game. Okay, well, Messi scored, well, he scored a hat-trick in the game, um, but that it's kind of just messy being messy, isn't it, mm. really? Um, one of the goals was a free kick. That's his sixth free kick goal this season. Um, which he, he And if was... you remember, we were talking that they hadn't got one uh, about eight weeks ago. Well, and it, including in the, 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 those stats, what well, we said, yeah, he never scores outside the box. Well, he's now scored outside the penalty area in each of his last six matches. Which makes me think that they're doing it deliberately, Barcelona. They must have read, either listening to this show, which I think is very, very likely. I think Valverde is a particular fan. He often <laughs> tweets me, DMs me. Um, but uh, they're so far ahead in this race, they might as well try and break records. Do you think they're setting him up for shots outside well, the you, area? You, you've forgotten my relationship with one of their former forwards. Of course, so, yeah, you, you can I've, all, had, because, I've had a word with Patrick. Because you, are, you have a joint membership of Spearmint Rhino with Patrick Cliver, you can get through to Barcelona <laughs> very, very easily, can't you? Yeah, not quite. But th- those are two of the stats, um, Danny. They're Amazing. Also, yeah, Barcelona, 38 matches unbeaten, which equals Real Sociedad's um, long-standing yeah. record in terms of uh, unbeaten across campaigns. They're, of course, looking to become the first team to, to go unbeaten in a whole uh, La Liga season. That's a target I think they've got in mind. Messi's hat-trick actually takes him level with Mo Salah in the race for the, um, for, for the European Golden Shoe. And just uh, briefly, Lugano's goal scorer, El Zar, once of Liverpool, very uh, briefly yeah. in terms of uh, minutes on the pitch for them. Yeah, he, a goal scorer at the new Camp. Good for him. Um, meanwhile, uh, Real Madrid and, and, and Atletico in a game that was important, I guess, in the race for second place. Uh, the Madrid derby, how did that one go? Yeah, it finished one all um, because there's not a great deal um, to be playing for. At the moment, it kind of felt a little bit low key, um, but Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't really do low key, so he he opened the scoring. He's six hundred and fiftieth career goal. When you said that to me, I I, I thought, well, Mark doesn't normally lie to me. Uh, I had to think about it. I mean, that's an. I mean, let's say he's been a professional footballer for fourteen years. The average per season is just extraordinary. It is, and of course he's got a brilliant goal-scoring record for Portugal too, um, which helps. But I mean, these, to, these these figures are, are, are getting Pele-esque, aren't they? They, they are, and the, you know the, the Pele ones. I, I think we, 
kind of sometimes take with a pinch of salt as to you know that we've actually seen these with our own yes. eyes. So we do, yeah. and they weren't and they weren't against local police and evidence <laughs> and things like that. Exactly, and um, yeah, it, it's just remarkable. He but is he is the greatest striker I've ever seen. Yeah, not necessarily yeah. the greatest footballer. I'd say Messi may take the all round title for that, but left foot, right foot, head. He's the best striker I've ever seen. Uh, I. He, He's just got everything in terms of what you'd want from a centre-forward and the way he's adapted his game from being this winger, dashing, silky-skilled to become the ultimate number nine um, is just incredible. His hunger to keep scoring, I, la- to I was keep laughing doing. because he's also adopted other people's games to make sure he gets the chances, hasn't he? <laughs> oh, there Hello, is Karim Benzema. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is that, yeah. Um, but it wasn't enough for the victory. Um, we saw Black had a very good game. He's actually been linked with Real Madrid. Not sure that that one would go down um, locally. That would be an amazing coup, though, wouldn't it? It would, but, I mean, Kaylor Navas hasn't done that much wrong. If they win the Champions League three years running and sack the <laughs> goalkeeper, I mean, there really is something going wrong with that club, isn't um, there? But, but, but Griezmann got the equaliser, continued his fine um, recent form, and Atletico, um, now favourites, I think you'd have to say, to finish second. Did Bale play? He did, yeah. He was yeah. involved in the. He was involved in Ronaldo's goal. Um, it's hard to work out, isn't it? Quite exactly what his standing is right now. Uh, um, that club. I, you know, I, I don't think it is that hard. I think he's, he's not in their best eleven, um, which is is pretty sad for him and for anybody that sort of follows his career. But uh, we've seen that in the Champions League, um, both against Paris Saint Germain and also um, against Juventus. This is his role now, you know, to play in the less important games. Man, that that failure to win the Milan, the Madrid derby by Real. If Valencia, if this result holds, they're they're still we're heading for half time. It's still one nil to them against Espanyol. It means that Real Madrid in danger of finishing fourth here. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because they've got rid of the playoff yeah, now. Sure. So you, you know we all it go... matters from a, from a, from a, a morale point of view. Surely, kind of Real Madrid trailing in fourth, like in some kind of race at Win Canton. <laughs> well, it will all depend on on. The Champions League. Yeah. Um, so I think they'll accept fourth if they're playing in that final in Kiev. And, you know, Zidane's talking about Real Madrid not being favourites for that competition. But, you know, they've got a pretty remarkable record in it. The other, the other two other results I'd like to talk to me about. One, uh, Celta 4, Sevilla 0. Sevilla, despite having the greatest footballers on the planet, according to Jose Mourinho, they're inconsistent, aren't they? And they, they take the occasional whacking. They are a really difficult team to work out. As it stands, they're, they're in a battle just to qualify for the Europa League for next season. Of course, that's the competition that they love more than anybody else. But uh, very inconsistent. Not the full-strength team out, um, but they've got a lot of players that are of a similar ability. So when they rotate in three and four, I don't really feel it impacts on the team that much. Certainly not enough to lose by four goals to nil um, away to Celta Vigo. Ordinarily, you know, Montella, um, his ideology I'm not entirely sure about. I mean, his teams are usually fun to watch. But it's pretty chaotic stuff at the moment for yeah, them. Too, too many goals conceded, simple as that. And a good weekend, bad weekend for Clarence Seydorf. Well, we start with a good, because on Friday night, he finally, finally, finally got his first win as coach of, of Deportivo. They, they beat Malaga, the team that's bottom of La Liga, so maybe not that much to celebrate. Uh, Adrian Lopez scored a very late goal in you know, in what was definitely filed under the must-win A win is a win is a win, but... But, unfortunately for them, Levante, the team that they're trying to reel in in 17th spot, uh, remained eight points above them. They scored a last gasp winner. Campana got the goal. Campania, sorry, got got the goal in the victory over Las Palmas. 
actually finished the game with nine men. I think Las Palmas at 1-1 when it was uh, that they were playing against 10 have chased the game themselves yeah, because well, they're I'm in not sure we the point Levante finished the game with nine men but still hung on. Oh, sorry, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. Las Palmas in even worse position than Depor. It's a really funny sort of La Liga at the moment. We know the four teams that are qualified And I think I know the, the, bo- the bottom three are going to be bottom as well. Bottom three, we... we Almost known, and so we we are talking. Shall we cancel Europa Spanish League? football next week? So we're talking about. <laughs> well, it's, it's the race for the Europa League that, that's got everybody excited. All right. Well, you, we'll, we'll finish on that then, because um, Betis uh, c- continue a push for that. The most attractive team outside of the obvious sides in Spain. They beat Ibar two goals to nil. They're up to fifth. Uh, they've got some of the best fans in Europe. I mean, we're talking about great European derbies. I mean, the Betis Sevilla. Um, Derby is right up there in, in terms of passion um, and, and it'd be great to see and Betis will love the fact that they're above Sevilla in La Liga at the moment you know that that will be like winning the title for them Okay and um, who is your star of the week in, in Spain? Uh, it's got to be Aspas the uh, one time Liverpool player scored a hat trick against Sevilla all the talk in Spain is who will start up front in come the World Cup. So they ran a poll, I think it was in Marca, one of the big Spanish newspapers. Morata, Diego Costa, Rodrigo scored tonight. The winner of the poll, Aspas. Interesting. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Uh, let me just tell you uh, two things I want you to take note of. Our poll, which is the biggest derby in Europe? Um, at the moment, and lots and lots of you, and I mean thousands of you already voting, um, trailing in in last place is the Milan derby with 13%, then the Istanbul derby with 15%. The Manchester derby has 32%, but currently leading is the old firm, the Glasgow derby, with 40%. You can vote on that at any one of these Twitter sites, uh, at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, or at Mark Langdon. Get on there and vote there. And we've got a new section of the show for you as well, where Mark Langdon has agreed... Um, very little um, duress was placed on him to answer any question you care to bring to him about world football. Any question at all, Mark Langdon, big or small, serious or stupid, Mark will answer your question about players, about clubs, about competitions, about the World Cup, whatever you want. It's very simple. You can phone us on 08717 If you want to talk to Mark and myself, it's 08717 If not, then text your question to 81089 or tweet us here at TalkSport. Tweet the question to at TalkSport. Mark Langdon will attempt to, attempt to answer as many or all of your questions very, very soon here on TransEurope Express, where it's now time for us to take another little break. And when we come back from that, we'll be looking at what's been going on in Germany. <laughs> I wonder if uh, my old friend from Public Image Limited and called Spurs fan, Jar Wobble, is listening to this show. This is like a base player's heaven, isn't it? First James Jameson and now Bernard Edwards. Oh, my God. Diana Ross, of course, and my old piano with the boys from Chic banging away there in the background. Songs with old in the title, songs about being old as we continue to celebrate your Pankers' triumph in Germany at 72 years of age. Keep them coming, please. 81089 at Danny Kelly Words. My 
Tony Thompson on the drums as well. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, that, of course, is because we are celebrating um, what happened in Germany this weekend. And the headline for that is Congratulations. <laughs> uh, Mark, you said that, so you better explain. Yeah, Congratulations was the... Um, it, because Bayern won the title, as you've mentioned, and they celebrated with um, a conga around the pitch at, at fellow Bavarians Augsburg. Uh, Kind of typical buying game, really. They're able to rest most of their players, still win 4 1 um, away from home against what's considered to be a pretty you know, solid mid table you know, Bundesliga side. But some of the football was brilliant. I thought Ames Rodriguez's goal was fantastic. And if Heinkes has done one thing with his team, it is to find a spot and a way of playing for the Colombian. Yes, which surprised me when in the Champions League when he. he didn't play him and he, he he put Ribery out on the left. But I mean, generally speaking, he's he's been integral and they are going to buy him from Real Madrid. I think it's been a, a very successful loan move. And the fact that in Spain and now should we have let Hammers go, uh, particularly when Real Madrid weren't doing so well, um, probably goes to show how well he's done. What kind of fee would that involve, do you think? Uh, it was 40, uh, it's around about the 45, 46 million euro mark. Which, of course, um, by British standards is now an absolute sniff, it isn't is, it? But, but not by Bayern Munich standards because no. that's around their um, club record transfer that Tolisso, who was also on target and you know doesn't even play every week. So um, a very convincing win for Bayern. 28th title, a sixth in a row. I mean, the, the big question is, you know, could they get to 10? Could they win 10 in a row? I think they probably can. It looks, and probably it looks more will. likely every year, and we'll talk about that in a second, because um, Jupp Heynckes, of course, famously won the treble of the Bundesliga, the German Cup, and the Champions League, retired. He's been dragged back now, the poor old fella, um, and he's... he's He's still on target for doing it again. He, well, I mean, this would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> to, to win a treble, retire, come back, win another treble, and then retire. He does. He, has anyone asked him if he wants to stay on? Oh, they've begged him to stay on. <laughs> and Heinke has, has, has he's got to the point where he wouldn't talk about it. And then he finally just said no. Look, he, he promised his family. That yeah. he, I think and he, that's always the big thing, isn't it? it? Well, I mean, I, I, I think it was a... a an emotional thing for him to come back because he can't, he had promised his family he would do this, you know, start uh, uh, finally spending some time with them. The, the lure of Bayern Munich just was too great for, for one last go. Um, he's won a Bundesliga. They'll probably win the, the German Cup as well. And, they're, you know, they're heading for the semifinals of the Champions League. So, but he, he wants, he's calling time on it. Who becomes the next manager is an absolutely fascinating um, discussion. One that I, I think Bayern have forced themselves into a corner to some extent. Gavas is the Tishkamat. Exactly. They will only only appoint somebody that can speak uh, so German. I, so I'm in the running, but 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 lots of other managers aren't. Yes, well, that, that, rules, that, that, that rules out a lot of kind of the elite European coaches. Um, and and Tuchel sounds like he's off to Paris Saint Germain. Probably the one one of the biggest sort of German ones, of course. Jurgen Klopp is tied into Liverpool. I think maybe somewhere down the line, Nagelsmann's has... stock has fallen slightly uh, over the past. It has not so... completely, but slightly. It has, and just question marks as to whether the job may be just a bit too big for him at this stage. Too early, yeah. So we're looking at maybe a two-horse race between Nico Kovac, who's doing um, a fine job at Eintracht former Frankfurt, former star of their midfield, of course, former former player, yes, um, and also Lucien Favre, whose stock. Um, it just continues to rise. He's been linked with Bayern Munich. He's been linked with Borussia Dortmund. He's been linked with Arsenal. Um, he's you know, he's doing okay at Nice. I wouldn't say he's yeah. He's the the doing local trees are, are not being pulled up. No, are they're, they? they're not. But 
in Germany, they remembered the job he did at Gladbach, turned them from absolute certainties for relegation into a Champions League team when they then lost all of their best players. Um, surprise, surprise to Bayern Munich and um, maybe also to Borussia Dortmund when Borussia Dortmund were really pushing. You know, you think of somebody like um, Marco Royce, for instance. They had Dante. So he he kind of he took them from like I say from a relegation team into a side that was pushing Champions League. They played attractive football. His knee side are quite uh, fun to watch as well. So he maybe has got kind of the experience that they're that they're looking for and can speak German. Absolutely. Um, and we'll talk another time about what it means that Bayern romping away every year. But just to, this weekend, of course, uh, the notion that the there's no competitive football between the top half and the bottom half of the German league was blown away with extraordinary, extraordinary result in Hamburg that saw my producer blow all his ackers. It was a coupon buster. Uh, not many people would have had Hamburg three, Schalke two down uh, on, on their predictions. Schalke second in the league, Hamburg second bottom. Yeah, um, but this well, is bottom when they started, I think. But this is this is Hamburg's time, Danny. This is for for the last few years they've. You know, we've sort of likened them on the show to, to Sunderland in the way that they, they kept getting away with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's more than flirting. It's sort of heavy petting. I think yeah, we've we're gone past definitely, the, definitely to that. Um, yeah. But the, the, in terms Their of parents are ringing to see where <laughs> where are they? Yeah. So that now that they're looking to hunt down Mainz, um, and they would love to get into the relegation playoff. They've got five points at the moment to find, but they're playing as well as what they have done all season. Uh, Aaron Hunt scored an absolute thunderbolt. You're of putting a the, you're putting the um the how can I, I've got to be careful how I put this. Um, you you this is Christian Tips, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is our friend Christian. He he is um he's definitely made a difference, an early difference. Whether it's sustainable, not so sure. But uh, they're playing. They're, they're, there's there's a philosophy there at least, which mm-hmm. are, I mean, in previous times with Hamburg, it just felt like eleven individuals stuck, you know, on the pitch and you kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best. He, he's Initially went in, dropped all the older players, stuck all the youngsters in, reined that in slightly. I mean, you, you know, like Aaron Hunt scored, Holtby was on on target as well. So it's not kind of quite as radical as what it first was. But I think that was kind of the, the shock factor uh, of him wanting to make a statement. The statement worked. They got a good point last week um, at Stuttgart. Now they've beaten Schalke. Still five points to find on Mainz, but Mainz are in no sort of form whatsoever. They got a one-one draw um, away at Cologne. Hamburg, just signs of life in the yep. the dinosaurs just yet. Absolutely. And if the managerial situation is complicated at Bayern, then by definition it must be just as complicated because Dortmund, without the stipulation that their manager has to speak German, has still got to find someone to... Peter Stoger's not going to stay there. Mm. I mean, I know they won 3-0 this weekend, but he's not going to stay there, is he? No, Stoger's had a difficult week. He was absolutely relieved to get the 3-0 win. It was played in glorious sunshine as well. It's quite jealous looking out of our windows. It was very drab um, in London today, but it glorious sunshine in Dortmund. Um, and and just, it was a performance, really, that matched the weather in the second half, at least. First half was um, just horrendous again from Dortmund. They, they just really difficult to watch for their fans but Pulisic scored a very lucky goal across that floated into the the far post uh, and into the net 
once Batshuayi scored early on in the second half. That's Batshuayi. Yes, uh, who um, yeah, who maybe could be doing a job for Chelsea. Um, he he got the second goal, and that just relaxed Dortmund. Shaheen started getting on the ball, and it was much more like the Dortmund we'd come to expect. Uh, uh, Philip got a third goal, three 0 victory over Stuttgart. They're in third. They're one point behind their great rival Schalke. The two teams meet next week, and he talked with European derbies. That one not in there, um, and I think that will anger anyone who follows the Bundesliga. Thank you very much indeed for that. Quickly tell me about the game between Wolfsburg and Freiburg. Uh, A, because the name of Divock Origi appears on my notes, and I want to hear something about somebody called Niels Peterson. Yes, well, um, Origi, I don't think it's been a very successful loan spell, but he played very well. Um, in the victory over Freiburg. One fantastic assist for Didavi that got both of the goals. Very important win for Freiburg in their battle to avoid relegation. But yet Nils uh, Pettersson missed a penalty in the game. Nothing overly remarkable about that, apart from the fact he was sent off for two yellow cards last week. So why was he playing? It, the first yellow card was ruled at the, the high. They went to the highest court in Germany in, in terms of sporting courts this week. That's a court to get the. Um, I'm getting that job at Bayern, aren't I? No question about that now. I, I'm, I'm on the phone to, to Sally Amsic, the sporting director, in the next ad break. But um, yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, Sally likes me. She really likes me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but so Pettersson, he, he played in the game. The referee made an error, not Graham Pohl error. He didn't give him three yellow cards. The first yellow card they proved was shown. Not to his face, but to his back. So now, he didn't know he'd been booked. Didn't know he'd been booked. And if, if you know, kind of always seems pedantic, isn't it, with referees when they call players back? There's a reason why they have to do that. They have to be seen to be showing the player the yellow card. Um, it was proven that Pedersen didn't know he'd, wow. he'd been booked, and so he was allowed to play. Made no difference. Freiburg lost two nil, and they, you know, they're they're looking over their shoulder a little nervously after that result. Who is your star of the week in Germany? Yeah, the, the star of the week. I'm going to go for Jovic in a game that we haven't spoken about, but it was Frankfurt 1, Hoffenheim 1, the young Serbian striker. I think he's only 20, um, scoring a lot of goals, making an impression maybe just about in time for the World Cup. I mean, he'd be a bit of a wild card selection for Serbia, but he's, he's scoring almost every week for them. I think even by our standards, this is a bit weird, but this is the request from Mark Langdon's mum. What's Mrs. What's mum Langdon called? Debbie. Hello, Debbie. Joe Longton, of course, and when your old wedding ring was new. Songs with old the title or songs about being old, please. To 81089 and to me at Danny Kelly Words. This, as I say, is Debbie Langdon's request. What a I've got a real view on this. If you're on the firm, you're on the firm. That's all about it. Let me give you the latest from our poll. Thank you, Debbie. Let's give us the latest from our poll. Over 11,000 votes, so you can get involved here. Everyone else is doing so. Uh, Which of these is the biggest uh, derby in Europe? At the moment, um, 13% 
uh, say Milan, uh, 15% Istanbul, 29% Manchester, and 43% of you now say that the Glasgow derby, the old firm derby, is the biggest. Meanwhile, over 250 of you say that none of these are the biggest derby. There's been shouts for North London, there's been shouts uh, for course for Merseyside and others too. Uh, um, the Sheffield Derby's had some 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 pull as well in all of this. Keep those coming, please, and keep voting in all of that as we now move um, to talk about what's gone on in France. Let me just tell you that in France, at half time in that game, it was nil nil between Marseille and Montpellier. Um, what's the scores in these other games? It's still one nil to Valencia. They've just got about five minutes in the second half and against Milan as well. And nil nil between Milan and Espanyol. Uh, sorry, uh, Sosuolo. They're about to kick off the second half there. Uh, the headline, um, for those of you who, who like your uh, your war films, is Memphis Bell, because uh, we'll talk a little later about a fantastic display by a resurgent uh, Memphis Dupai. But first, we should talk about another coupon buster. Um, not quite as shocking, I don't think, as Hamburg beating Schalke, but PSG didn't win. Oh, I think it's, it's a bigger oh, shock. Big, sh- big, sh- bigger shot shock. Down. Shot yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, you know, when PSG don't win, yeah. Danny. <laughs> He's going down. He's going to the sea. Go on. When PSG don't win, it sends shockwaves through France, and understandably so, because you expect them to win every game. And they, I mean, the biggest surprise really was how bad they were in the first half. They drew 1-1 away to St Etienne. St Etienne have been resurgent in recent weeks, but Remy Cabela scored from a a Debussy cross. A couple of Premier League players involved there. Cabela then missed a penalty. Um, Kimpembe was sent off for Paris Saint-Germain so 1-0 up, missed a penalty they're playing 10 men you feel like they could go on and win the game still felt even more like it was uh, going to be their night when Cavani missed the open goal uh, of all open goals really uh, near the penalty spot left foot goalkeeper not in sight and he, he managed to put it wide of the post However, it still wasn't enough for St Etienne. Uh, cross came into the box very late on and it just deflected off Debussy's knee, trickled into the corner and Paris Saint-Germain um, he managed to sneak a point. Let me ask you this, and I should probably ask Andy Brassel, with all due respect to yourself, he's a, a self-confessed French football fanatic. Um, let's say we, we, we took a 20-game series. Could the other 19 teams in, 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 in Ligue 1 put together... 16 players that could regularly beat Paris Saint-Germain. No, no, absolutely not, no. That's, I mean, the, that's the mark of a useless league, isn't it? I mean, you've only re- you'd only really be taking players from, you know, Lyon, so you'd, you'd have, you know, your Memphis and uh, Torvan. You know, mm-hmm. No, they, they, they're just not as good as... And Neymar's injured and Cavani was rested against an Etienne for the start, but they're, they're bringing in Pastore and, and players like that that would walk into this sort of mythical team that yes. you were talking about. So even their bench is stronger than most other teams starting eleven. That's just the way it is. It's up to the others to um, find investment or to... Oh, you know, they're not... Let's, let's not forget, Monaco did it. Yeah. Monaco did it last year, so it's possible. Um, talking of Monaco, they won 2-1 uh, against Nantes to keep their Champions League kind of destiny in their own hands. Uh, uh, come from behind victory. And, and uh, after the game, actually, uh, Ranieri said that he will definitely be staying at Nantes. Not that many people seem to believe him, though. Well, what about, I mean, since you're talking about uh, the bench at PSG, tell me about um, the special birthday cake that Hatton Ben Arthur gave himself. Yes, uh, this was on Instagram this week. He, he celebrated the fact that he'd been out of the PSG squad picture, uh, you know, uh, for, for a year. 
hadn't played for a year. Um, uh, apparently fallen out with management. Told Unai Emery exactly what he thought of him, um, but you know that was he was already sort of out of the squad at that time. Being linked with a move to Leicester, which you can kind of understand because Puel got the the best out of him previously, um, and there may be a spot in their team for a maverick. Uh, you know, should Mares move on, so. I just feel with Vatan Ben Arfa should have stayed at Nice and I'm the lure of going to Paris Saint Germain and, and try the I suppose you're you, you feel like you, you owe it to yourself to give it another try at a really big club but he like I think he enjoys being um, that big fish um, sure. in, in a small pond and you know Paris speaking is difficult speaking of people who may get other chances at bigger clubs um, we've only got about two minutes left for this section, Mark, but uh, a fantastic weekend for a player that we've talked about a lot in the last six weeks, Memphis Depay. Oh, what a performance today. Uh, Leon won 5-0 at, admittedly, the worst team in France, Mets, but Memphis scored one and assisted the other four. Um, and, you know, not everybody likes the assist stats, but you know, it's still a pretty impressive achievement well, it, to, to it come up with. you've dominated that game. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just so pleased for him. Hopefully, um, you know, he can get to where I believe he, he should uh, just going back to Monaco quickly talking to players that are really on the up Ronnie Lopez once of Manchester City he's got nine goals in his last ten matches now um, pushing for a start in the Portugal World Cup team that's how good he's been for Monaco in recent weeks and Lille lost again a quick word and I mean a quick word on, well you still got a minute on, on the relegation race yeah well the, all the teams down the bottom uh, lost Lille 2-1 at Bordeaux the, the only good news for them um, was that Troyes lost 4-0 at Gangon and uh, Toulouse lost 1-0 to Dijon. Dijon, um, Kwon, their, their player from South Korea, looking at players to watch for the World Cup, I put him on your shortlist. Uh, the Baker's son, um, really, uh, really doing well. OK, really listen, well. thank you very, very much indeed. That's the big leagues covered in the next hour here of Trans Europe Express. Uh, myself and Mark Langdon. Mark will be taking all of your questions at, later in the show. We'll have our re- review and preview of the Champions League and the Europa League. Some big and important games there. Uh, a European cult football hero for you and Simon Calder will be bringing us the latest of his travel reports as he takes you around the towns and cities and stadia of Russia. Don't forget every game from that World Cup will be live here on the Talk Sport. We'll also... Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
bring you the latest from Russia itself in their league and Belgium and Greece and Holland and Turkey and an incredible story from Portugal that seems to be sorting itself out now. But for about 24 hours there was perhaps the most nutty thing that's happened in European football all this week. And you can still get your questions in to Mark. He'll answer everything you can and bring us on 087172 And you're listening to Trans Europe Express. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. Welcome back, everybody, to Trans Europe Express with me, Danny Kelly, and Mark Langdon. Just a reminder once again that during the course of this hour, you'll hear from Bob Bubka regularly from the Augusta National as the Masters begins to reach its inevitable climax. And then from 10 o'clock, Bob will be joined by here in the studio, um, Rupert Bell and Ray Houghton, uh, golf fanatics and uh, golf experts both for the climax of the Masters here on TalkSport. But during the rest of the next hour, myself and Mark Langdon will be previewing the Champions League and Europa League games that are coming up this week. Three live commentaries for you here on TalkSport. Um, we've got a European cult hero for you. Simon Calder will bring us the latest of his travel guides to the cities and stadiums and towns of Russia. We'll be going all around the rest of Europe to get the big stories from various other leagues. But then from about quarter to or maybe 10 to 10 onwards, Mark Langdon will be answering your questions, which you can get into about any aspect of European or world football. That number is 0871722344, or you can uh, tweet them to at TalkSport. This, my friends, is TalkSport and Trans Europe Express. Well, Mark, let's talk about the Champions League, because um, it's extraordinary, really, in that... Uh, all four of the quarterfinals, you could argue, um, the results are, are quite predictable. Yes. And yet, and yet, that's not the way football works, is it? No, because at half time yesterday, Manchester City were <laughs> champions of England. I sort of made the joke that you know, next Wednesday particularly, you can you know just go out and, and leave it because I just don't really see you know Bayern Munich against Sevilla, Real Madrid against Juventus. Don't see. Um, any kind of comeback there. The Man City Liverpool game is fascinating. Well, that's that, absolutely that, fascinating. Of course, is, is Tuesday, um, and, and uh, you know, if it was any other teams, you'd say probably this is done. But we've seen Guardiola's weakness away from home before in Champions League matches. But he has a way of playing at home that tends to swallow teams whole, doesn't it? And I think Barcelona against Paris Saint Germain is, is the template for this. It, isn't it? it is now, and even when oh, if you score an away goal, um, Saturday last year, if uh, PSG would fancy them to score, that will be the the end of that. And of course, it wasn't. Whether Liverpool is flaky is that Paris Saint Germain team, I'm not so sure. But Man, C- Man City are capable of beating Liverpool let's say 3-0 over 90 minutes and taking yep. it to extra time. They need to play much better than they did at Anfield, for sure. But, I mean, if Liverpool can beat Man City 3-0, then Man City should be able to beat Liverpool 3-0. Because, odd enough, the strengths and weaknesses of the two teams are very similar. They are. Uh, there are brilliant attacking d- dynamic units, and they have all kinds of things that can happen at the back. But I mean, Klopp has got a very good record against Pep Guardiola 
and I, I think that's because he's brave against him. Yes, he's not a he's not a manager that just wants to sit there. I think he actually, I think his quote is, um, you know, uh, about sitting back and hoping to win the lottery. Um, again, as to that's what most teams do against Manchester City. He tries to be proactive in that. He forces them back. He, he and aims he, and, for the and weakness. And that is one of the reasons why he's one of the best managers in the world because he understands that from both uh, the, the club, the team tactical and the fans point of view sitting there on the edge of your own box waiting to get beat is let's be you know i remember the great italian teams of the 70s and all the rest of it but in the end it, it, it's not football it's, it's not it's no. nothing it's, it's nothing it, and I mean, I mean i think you know they, they still played with sense in the second half and, yes. and of course they, they they killed the game very well don't think it was a three nil game i mean I, no. I i sat there i was watching the game and our city have started quite well here um de bruyne was getting on the ball could understand why and everybody slaughtered him afterwards for playing Gundogan, but they were they, they, they had control of the midfield, which is what he wanted. Uh, Laporte was doing okay in the early exchanges against Salah. Felt pretty solid from City's point of view. Kyle Walker makes a mistake for the first goal. Should have cleared it, didn't. The second goal is a great finish from Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then the reaction of the two teams, Anfield was going bonkers and uh, you know City didn't deal with that situation particularly well but it's the bravery of what Klopp does and of course we're absolutely, absolutely right City might win 5-0 on Tuesday but the bravery of what Klopp do- does and what he did at Anfield it dislocates even what Guardiola wants to do let the example you give I thought Sadio Mane was fantastic on the night and what it, and he was fantastic both in his attacking play but also the sheer threat of him means that Kyle Walker doesn't do his overlapping nor does he come in to make the extra man in midfield which has been such a feature of City's play this season so he's negated two of the things that City love to do because Mane plays right up front on top of Kyle Walker and he's so brilliant at getting the ball he gathers the ball in from all kinds of angles uh, it was, I thought it was it was, it was brilliant. The, the only the only question, the, well, the biggest question mark I had against City was that Sane versus Alex Arnold. They, they 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 kind of worked out that that was the way that was the avenue they wanted to go down. It wasn't working because uh, Sane was getting very little joy. Uh, he had one or two moments, but it, it, I, I felt that maybe they could have tried something a little bit different there. Um, whether that was to swap him over the other wing and give him a go at Robertson, move him into the middle because uh, Gabriel Jesus had a had a really um, ordinary game and that's not to say I mean Lovren and Van Dijk have obviously played him quite well but you know it wasn't a good game for him they smothered David Silva who was probably about as quiet as you know he's been in this season uh, it was just a fantastic performance from Liverpool very reminiscent of when Klopp got Dortmund to the Champions League final the way the whole crowd are involved in it and and their, their, their sheer bravery um, and you know it, it, was, it was just a great game and I think we may be in for more if City get an early goal Oh, this this could be even better. It should than the be a first br- game. Should, well, the first game I knew was going to be a brilliant game of football, and it was, and this one will be as well. Um, meanwhile, uh, here on Talk Sport that evening, we've got the game between Roma and Barcelona. Barcelona four-one up from the first leg. Is there any danger that Roma um, can do to Barcelona what they've occasionally done to others? No, no, there is. <coughs> Excuse me, yeah. sorry, sorry, Danny. Um, no, I don't think there is. Um, what I would say is that it wasn't a four-one game. In in, um, in in at the Camp Nou, two own goals. I thought Roma had their chances to um, put big pressure on Barcelona. To Stegen made some fantastic saves. Also made some uh, an absolute howl with one of his clearances, and then he made a brilliant save. The four-one was there was no way there was three goals difference between the two teams. It was just at Roma, and I did fear for them that defensively they wouldn't be able to cope with Barcelona. And I think that an own goal and the two own goals. 
is part of that. You know, it's the pressure that you're put under, last-ditch clearances, that type of thing. You're often that, facing, because of that, that ball they play to the touchline, sorry, um, to the byline, you're often facing your own goal. Exactly. So um, it, it's a consequence of the pressure that Barca put under uh, Roma. There's, there's no way. I'd, I'd be a... You know, I'd be absolutely amazed. Uh, you should never say never, but never. OK. Um, Bayern Munich are 2-1 up at home to Seville. Let's assume that one is a given as well. Live here on Talk Sport on Wednesday night, we've got the game between Real Madrid and Juventus. That surely is already in bed because that 3-0 victory in Turin for Real Madrid was that... that if, you, if you opened your window, that sound you can hear is Real Madrid revving up for the latter stages of the Champions League, isn't it? Yeah, again, I didn't think That's it was... That's a V12 engine <laughs> revving up, isn't it? Again, though, I didn't feel that it was a... I didn't feel it was a 3 nil Um You know, I mean, Ronaldo's second goal been spoken about a lot this this week but it just was a, an absolute heartbreak of Juventus you do not expect to concede a goal like but, that but you said on on this show last last week that uh, you thought that Juventus chance uh, this crop of Juventus players had gone and I agree with you that, 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 that if they were going to win they were going to win it last year or the year before and you know you're right to say that it wasn't necessarily a a 3-0 looking game but when you see things like when Isco was substituted, he had a 100% passing record. Now, for a player playing in, in the middle of the field, that is extraordinary. But this is this has been Juventus. is just they're, they're the ultimate weakness in their team. That's why they want Emre Chan. It's where they're going to. And they've been very smart in the transfer market. But I feel they maybe have to really go out and spend a lot. Because they, they lost Paul Pogba. Um, they've lost Vidal in, in that area. Pirlo, of course, before that. It's maybe now that we're really beginning to see the weakness of that because Marquisio uh, can't be trusted to play in, in those big games. Bentancur, the young Uruguayan, has got a big future. He was he was just given a horrible, horrible sort of evening having to play alongside Sammy Kadira, who may as well have a walking stick out there. I mean, he's so slow. He's just an absolute tortoise. And if Pjanic is either not playing or... He was suspended, or, wasn't he? Uh, so. Then their creativity is right down as well. Yeah, I mean, but I... I I felt I was amazed when I saw the team that I think Allegri would just felt well. I haven't got that many midfielders, so I'm going to attack. And he played four four two, but they had no they had no grip of the game really in that situation. Madrid, uh, Real Madrid played with four. You know, went back to that four central midfielders that worked so well for them in the Champions League final. I mean, Kadira and Bentancur were, were just dominated at vital moments. Dybala's red card. He. he it's been criticised for it, and and you know rightly so. Uh, it was a reckless challenge. We saw Nani get sent off once from Manchester United for something similar, and Ferguson wasn't wasn't happy. But that is always always a red card uh, uh, offence. There's no doubt, particularly in say the Champions League. And um, yeah, Juventus's best chance has already gone. That was a team you know when they had Benucci, when they had Dani Alves. It, it, mm. it was more their time. Uh, on Thursday, it's the Europa League, and uh, with the exception, perhaps, of our live game here on TalkSport, where we bring you um, the five minutes past eight kickoff between CSK Moscow and Arsenal, um, which I think I know the results of that tie in advance. Um, uh, the other ties, to me, all look uh, nicely balanced, really. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that Ignacevic and the Berezutsky twins would struggle uh, with balls in behind them? Uh. 108, the aggregate age of of those three. That Akin Fayev's no teenager either in the goal. He's not. (laughs) um, Remarkable that they're all still playing there together. No, I mean, 
they've got a threat going forward, and I think we saw that in parts at the Emirates. And it was notable today that Arsene Menger played a, played a mix-and-match team because he's taken this game seriously, of course yeah. he is. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, 4-1, um, you, you wouldn't have thought that, no. that, that, that they'd, they'd lose that position. But the other games, really interesting. Atletico, we're going to talk about the Sporting um, later on, but Atletico got into a 2-0 lead, actually, but Sporting had their chances for what would have been an away goal. Had, had they got to 2-1... You would have fancied that game to be a, a, an absolute brilliant fixture. I mean, as it is, Atletico so strong defensively. Would have felt they'd go through. Leipzig v Marseille, delicately poised. Leipzig keeping a clean sheet, massively important because they are a counter-attacking machine. So uh, they'll fancy their chances of scoring. Marseille uh, instantly just hit the post, but still remains nil-nil. They, they were um, really injury. They, they were injury hit, suspension hit for that game. Um, in Leipzig, so maybe 1-0. I'm not saying they'd settle for that, but they're still in the tie. Uh, the other game was just brilliant. Um, we've spoken about Red Bull Salzburg mm-hmm. and their progressive football. They gave as good as they got against Lazio. they just come up against a team that's that's got a lot of firepower in them, and they've lost the game 4-2. But they're a, they're a really interesting team. It's not all over that game. No, that's, no, what, that's, really... the, one I, that's the one I think if I... Um... If I had to watch one of the games, I'd watch that game because if Salzburg score first there, then that is a tie de- very definitely on. Um, and, and, and you know, it's, it's almost weird to say that, given that Lazio got four goals at home. But uh, the two away goals there could be very, very important. Um, the so I guess it's hard to pick other than Arsenal. I say it's hard to pick the winners here. I suppose Lazio might. Um, I think you would take all four of the teams that have got the lead leading, at yeah. the moment because um, Leipzig and Atletico kept the um, kept the clean sheets. So important. We saw that in Manchester United, Sevilla. It really it makes such a massive difference. And Lazio, a 4-2 advantage. OK, Salzburg have got a couple of away goals. But you, you Lazio carries such a big attacking threat. What I think is really interesting is we've got probably the two favourites for the competition are seen as Arsenal and Atletico. They're the two that can almost concentrate on the competition because there's not that much else going for them. Lazio are still fighting for Champions League in Serie A. Leipzig, likewise, in Germany. They've got uh, Leverkusen on Monday. Uh, Marseille, still very much in a battle for a top three spot. Um, Sporting, they're out of the race in Portugal, but... Um, you know, they're not going to win the Europa League anyway, I don't think. so. Just as uh, you mentioned Leverkusen, I see that their manager Brent has signed a new contract. Is that right? Oh, sorry, the Brent, the Julian Brent has signed a new, a new contract at Leverkusen, which most people will be surprised about, I think. Yeah, he was linked with, um, well, he was linked with Bayern Munich, Danny, who, mm. who's not linked with Bayern Munich uh, in terms of the young, bright sparks and attacking midfielder. Still not 100% on his best position. He's somebody that can play wide or as a number 10. They... They, they think a lot of him in Germany. It's good to see somebody signing a new contract because, I think mean, they were fearful that he was off to, to buy him with Goretzka and, and all of the others that have gone uh, previously. He feels that Leverkusen, he's sending this uh, sort of press conference, he feels that they can challenge for titles. I don't think he was necessarily talking Bundesliga. He's talking Cups, talking maybe a, a Europa League-style um, competition. But their coach, Herlich, and also... Um, Hassan Hutu of Leipzig came through the same coaching course. Right. And I think that's a pretty good one uh, okay. because, you know, there's two decent coaches there. Hassan Hutu not being linked with any of the big jobs. 
I mean, I, I wonder why. I, I think he's definitely, you know, he'd be my number one, I think, for, for buying if I was looking for he a German. He speaks German, does he? he, he, he <laughs> with a name like Hassan Hootel, you'd hope so. That is sehr gut, sehr gut. song in its own way about being old um, I don't care whether it is or it isn't it's a great tune anyway, the Bluebells of course and Young at Heart, uh, many of you including Travis in Hackney have asked for this tune, you can get your songs in please, with old in the title, songs about being old as we continue to celebrate the success of 72 year old Jupp Heynckes in Germany today, manager of the champions, you can get your request today, 1089 and at Danny Kelly Words This is going to be a very tricky mix, isn't it? This violin bit, and it's time for our European cult footballer. Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Wow, there's a result, uh, or a, 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 a result, uh, it's, it's still not a result, there's still 13 minutes to go, anything could happen, but Mark Langdon, Milan are losing at home. Yes, Politano. Um, scored me- last week for yeah, Sassuolo. Yeah, he, he scored a big goal against Napoli last week, uh, took the ball down, smashed it in from the edge of the air into the bottom corner, Donnarumma just got his fingertips to it, but not enough to keep um, the ball out, and Sassuolo, relegation threatened, I suppose, given all the results this weekend, with a lot of the teams down the bottom winning, um, this would be a huge result for them, um, but a very damaging one as far as the Rossoneri are concerned. And particularly as they appear watching the game over your shoulder on a screen to have dominated possession at the very least. They've, they've, they've flashed a lot of balls across the box, they've had their chances, and also 0-0 in France, Olympic uh, Marseille against Montpellier, Dimitri Payet, I suppose you have to say he's hauled off uh, after, after an hour yeah, he's been, um, yeah, he's been been taken off in, in that game. Uh, Marseille on top can't find a goal. Okay, who is um, who is our European cult footballer this week? Yeah, it's um, Vahid Aliodzic. Um, uh, currently, the uh, we're going deep this week, ladies and gentlemen. We're going deep. Yeah, uh, he was a, he was a very big player in his time in France. Helped helped Nantes. Uh, he, he was a, um, a striker. Scored a lot of goals um, for, for Nantes in the early eighties. Won a title. We um, should make the point that you know he's a Bosnian. Who's is he currently the manager of Japan? Or well, uh, you, you uh, there's can, some controversy about this you, at the moment. You can put some currently in inverted corners because yeah. there's talking which is the, the reason for doing him is the uh, there's talking in Japan actually that he'll be sacked overnight now we did Japan as a World Cup team very recently yep. and I said that he Haliodzic uh, got very strong opinions on where teams should play dropped a lot of their star players Okazaki Kagawa, Okazaki yeah quite. didn't fit into his didn't fit into his plans and um, I think the, and if you're the, a Japanese FA you want to sell those shirts at the World uh, Cup well, those also, are the exact ones I think you also want your best players there so um, but Ali Odzic let's not forget I think he was one of the first to see the talent um, in Mahrez Maybe yeah. even before, I mean, because he was in and out of the Leicester team. He, when he was Algeria manager, he put him in and made him a, a, a strong part of that team. So I think he's, he's a good judge um, of players, even though he has got, like I say, these maybe views that don't always fall into um, 
public opinion necessarily, but um, as a player, um, w- which is why I've gone for him, he was he was absolutely prolific um, for non, uh, and particularly in the season that they won the title in 1982. Which um, seems 83. almost an incredible thing to think now that Nantes won the title in France. But... Yeah, but but I mean Nantes was, um, had a, a great production line at, at one stage of, of players that, that that came through there, but um, also with Velez won the Yugoslav Cup with, with Velez a team that may, maybe not as familiar that, that was their first ever trophy and he was a part of that um, in, the, in 1978 they won uh, Yugoslavia the under 21 championship not only did they win that he was also the best player in the tournament so he was somebody that um, you know, like I say scored an awful lot of goals earlier on in his career um, domestically and then you know was a big part of the, the youth team set up with Yugoslavia mm-hmm. Later on in his career, he left Nantes. Um, he was supposed to go home uh, back to Yugoslavia, but he didn't. He signed for PSG in, in a shock move. The idea being um, that Paris Saint-Germain felt like they had a really good chance of winning the European Cup and just wanted um, you know, one more forward. For, for that, the... that has echoes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've heard that before, Danny. But, um, yeah, so he, he went to Paris Saint-Germain um, for, for one season, didn't work out. They were knocked out of the European Cup in in the first round. Of course, it wasn't it wasn't group stage back then. Straight knockout, um, nightmare start, and and they were out of the competition. And then he um, he, he retired from playing. He, he his mother died, and and that was it. He just decided um, nineteen eighty seven wasn't going to play anymore. But he's had a, a a very very successful and very varied career as a manager because of course he comes. You mentioned that he came through. When Yugoslavia, uh, when it was a malcolm of all those countries, was just a massive production line of brilliantly gifted technical players, and of course their coaches are, are still in demand all over the world. Yes, his uh, generation of coaches. I mean, he he managed. Uh, he's married Paris Saint Germain before they sort of came into the money. Uh, Trabzon Sport, Lille, Rennes, um, several so- countries, Cote d'Ivoire, Algeria that you mentioned. He's still. A- at the moment, he's still got a contract with Japan. He, he has. Um, not sure that that contract's going to last <laughs> for too much longer. He may be. He may be out of a job. Um, c- c- you know, come tomorrow. But he was. Definitely... Who, who would Japan turn to in, in, on the eve of the World Cup? Oh, that is a, a difficult question for now. I mean, I would have thought that it would be. It's an attractive job for somebody because somebody's just put the perfect idea in my head. Arsene Wenger. It's just been whispered in my ear. He speaks the language. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd be hey, next thing. He's Arsenal manager for the next twenty years. I haven't got uh, yeah. to worry about that. Um, hey, one today, it's another three-year <laughs> extension, isn't it? <laughs> no, that, that's an interest. I have a little think maybe for us to show who could be um, Japan's next manager. Yes. But but certainly in, in terms of Aliotic, uh, a fascinating guy. Uh, like I say, made history with Velez in, in terms of winning them their first trophy. Won the league with Nantes the year after. I think it was he was top scorer um, in, in in France. Also was played in the 1982 World Cup when Yugoslavia were maybe the team that had most kind of to be angry about, if you like, from Northern Ireland because Yugoslavia were the team that went out of that group. I think they were probably expected to qualify yeah. along with Spain. Jerry Armstrong's goal against Spain. Exactly. <laughs> Stadion. 
Stadium. Ground control to Major Tom. An astonishing spaceship seems to have landed on Krestovsky Island in St. Petersburg, the northernmost stadium in the World Cup. It used to be the location for the Kirov Stadium, named for a communist boss of Leningrad as the city was known for a time. But it is the most dramatic creation for Russia 2018. The Japanese architect Kisho Kurosawa was invited to create a football miracle. He based it on, would you believe, his Toyota Stadium, which is, as you no doubt know, in Toyota City, halfway between Tokyo and Osaka in Japan. And he created somewhere that you would actually, in St. Petersburg, want to watch the local team, Zenit, in December when the temperature falls as low as minus 17 outside. The roof means that even in winter, the temperature inside the stadium is 15 degrees Celsius, which will warm up as many as 67,000 fans. Matches to see. Going to be seven matches in the St. Petersburg Stadium, which is as many as the Luzhniki in Moscow. It starts on the 15th of June, Morocco, Iran, 19th of June, Russia, Egypt. Oh, I think the crowd's going to be quite exciting for that one. 22nd of June, Brazil, Costa Rica, 26th of June, Nigeria versus Argentina. Then there's a bit of a rest for a week indeed till the 3rd of July when it's the round of 16 semi-final a week later on the 10th of July. And then third place, always that match which you don't really want to follow but you end up doing so anyway. Uh, that's going to be um, on the 14th of July. Rating путешествий Talksport. Talksport travel rating. St. Petersburg is simply the most beautiful city in Russia and I have checked. It's over 300 years since Peter the Great decided to build a window on the west. He brought in all the best architects from across Europe. He also, can you believe this, spent some time in Deptford. Yes, that one in southeast London, finding out about the latest developments in maritime technology. Anyway, the city he built is really as gorgeous as it was the day it was finished, connected by hundreds of bridges. And as long as you stay in the centre, you're going to think this is just an absolute delight. Indeed, I say to lots of people, if you want to go to Russia, just go to St. Petersburg. It doesn't get any better than that. It's 101 years since the Russian Revolution and St. Petersburg is only now uh, looking back on this remarkable event that, of course, saw it turned into Leningrad after the storming of the Winter Palace in October 1917. You'll need somewhere to stay and there are so many terrible hotels that uh, I think they will be able to soak up most of the fans who are going to be in the 67,000 capacity stadium because normally in the end of June, beginning of July, it's the White Nights season. Um, lots of tourists would normally be in town. They're not going to be. So therefore, you will find somewhere to lay your head. It just will be overpriced and it almost certainly won't be much fun. But even so, St. Petersburg is out of five, the full five.
suppose if you've got to be known as something, being Wales' greatest ever Elvis impersonator is not the worst thing you could be called. Shaking Stevens, hard for the teenagers to believe, once the biggest pop star in Britain and this old house. Get your request in, please. Still time for songs with old in the title or songs about being old as we celebrate Jupp Heynckes, 72 years of age, winning the title in Germany uh, today. And the numbers, again, are text 81089. You can uh, tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Let me just tell you that it's finished in Valencia. Valencia won Espanyol nil. That seventh-minute goal by Rodrigo turns out to be the winner. An important result for Valencia, cementing their place mark in the Champions League uh, places. Um, and in Milan, um, Kalinic has got an 85th-minute equaliser for uh, the Rossineri against Sassuolo. It's one all there, and they're into time added on, I think. Yes, they are, but there are five minutes of those. And Milan are knocking on the door, Danny. They, they uh, desperately need the points, and you know, Kalinic has already gone close, actually, to, to, to putting them in front, and they've got three minutes to try to find the winner. And with 12 minutes to go uh, in Marseille, I think Marseille themselves will be quite disappointed. It's still nil-nil against Montpellier. Uh, I'm sorry, say that right, Danny, against Montpellier. When did Montpellier ever become a fo- And Montpellier B are their reserves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, see, that, I fell down and got up and finished fourth. That wasn't bad. Uh, let's go around the leagues in Europe, Mark, and we have to start in Portugal. Now, it's turned out to be a damp squib, but for 24 hours, this was the biggest story in town, wasn't oh, it? Sporting this, Lisbon. This was um, the most dramatic week uh, of the season. I'll maybe just start very quickly with the, um, the football, because Porto lost to Bolognenses. Benfica then went um, top after beating Setubal with an injury time um, penalty. Um, so, so they're top of the league at the moment. You, you thought that was quite crazy. Sporting on hold my beer. You know we're, yeah. we're the big story in town here. So uh, Bruno uh, Di, Di Carvalho, the, the, he became famous on these shores for the Dildo Brothers comment um, aimed at the the, the West Ham um, owners earlier on in the season. To so, the fury, to the fury of Simon Jordan. You can hear here tomorrow night at seven. Who he thought he patented that? Copyrighted <laughs> it. So in, in terms of that, it was you know. It, He's outspoken. I think we can get that. Went on to Facebook. Uh, very modern. Um, and bringer of all bad news in football. Yeah. So he went on to Facebook after the 2-0 defeat to Atletico Madrid, which, I mean, it's no shame in losing 2-0 to Atletico anyway. Um, but he, he said we, we only played with nine players, blaming Quartes and uh, Machu, the two centre-halves, for making individual errors for the goals. He then had a go at uh, Gelson one of his best players, uh, for missing a very easy chance that I'd referred to um, in terms of getting a late away goal. He also had a pop at Bas Dost and, and Fabio Contral for getting yellow cards that ruled them out of the second leg and claimed... It was an absolute pop fest, wasn't it? Yeah, he, but he claimed that you know that was done on purpose. The players then went on Instagram because... Yeah, of course you know, they must, you know, yeah. they're, they're younger, so Instagram's yeah. the one rather than Facebook. Shared a message... Um, condemning the comments of, of, of the owner. The owner then went on, back onto Facebook uh, and and he, he briefly, in a post that's now been deleted, he um, he said that all the, the players have been suspended and the B team would play against Passos. Now, uh, I think Jorge Zeus has got involved. Um, you know, he, he wants the players to play, obviously. There's been, at least for now, a kind of calming of the situation. Most of the first teamers... Um, played tonight in the in the game against Passos. They're one mm-hmm. 0 up at the moment. Bastost, one of those um, that, that was called out. More about him before the end of the show. I, mean, um, I can it, just tell you he 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 scored um, in that game. But yes, 
a, an incredible story. Um, there was a lot of a lot of panicking around in, in terms of, you know, would Sporting really play um, a B team? They haven't, um, but clearly issues there. Um, and the, the, the actual owner, Di Carvalho, well-liked by supporters before these And comments. if there wasn't enough drama in Portugal, as you say, Benfica now a point ahead of, of FC Porto, they play each other next weekend. They do. Boom. <laughs> what what game that will be? Um, a potential title decider in both of their hands, but Benfica are very much the favourites now, having trailed Porto for, for most of the season. Uh, meanwhile, in Turkey, which is our favourite race for the title, um, as, as I speak, five points covering the top four. Yes, uh, Basakashir atop, uh, 1-0 victory for them um, at the weekend. Galatasaray, though, don't play until tomorrow, so a chance for them to go uh, back top. Fenerbahce, quite interested in their scorers against as Manly Sport today. Uh, Martin Skirtle and, and Bobby Soldado on, on target for them. He's back after his long-running toe injury, is he? Yeah, he must be. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. no sorry, no, no, it's the other one. Janssen's oh, got a toe no, injury. Vincent Janssen got. Yeah, he's had a serious injury this season. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so well, uh, and of course, if Galatasaray do win that game in hand, it does, it does stretch it to um, six points covering the top four, but it's still a great uh, race for a league. Olympic Marseille have had a Stonewall penalty, I'm assured, uh, turned down. Who was that? Mitroglu um, fouled there, but it not given. Still nil-nil with eight minutes to go. It's still, they're still Donnarumma's come up, Danny, for the, for the corner for Milan in the last minute uh, against a swallow. That's how desperate they were for the point. And the referee has blown the final whistle, and that's a fantastic point for Sassuolo in their uh, battle to keep themselves safe in Serie A, and a big, big setback for AC Milan. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, any chance they had of top four now disappeared after, of course, drawing the derby in midweek. And this, and after, this is after Gattuso signed a new contract there. Yes, always wary of, of that new contract. I mean, he's done a great job. Yes, he Just has. Just wonder if it's sustainable. Okay, listen, thank you very much indeed uh, for that. What about in Holland this weekend? Yeah, I, the, the, the lead is still seven points for, for PSV over Ajax, uh, but it looked like getting down to four at one stage. RZ Alkmaar, the team in third, led 2-0 against uh, PSV. The game turned. Uh, Chucky Lozano, a player that we've we've spoken about quite a lot on, on this programme this season, charged down a clearance, not quite in the same way as Hugo Lloris um, got caught out for Stoke. This was more of a slide tackle, um, that the, and the ball managed to roll into the net. That made it 2-2. And uh, Van Hinkle, on loan from Chelsea, completed the comeback. Ajax did keep it to seven with a 1-0 win. Probably most notable that game, actually. Uh, a question was asked about him last week. Kasper Dolberg, uh, back off the injury sidelines, made a very brief appearance. So hopefully we'll get to see a bit more of him for the remainder of the campaign. And they play each other next week. And in fact, at PSG, PSV, if they beat Ajax, uh, will clinch the title. Yes, I, I mean, I, I think they'll clinch. It doesn't matter when they'll do it. It's, it's just a case. No, I mean, it's but a you'd bit love like to Manchester, get it. Like Manchester, you want to beat your big rivals That's to win the course. title, don't you? Absolutely right. Um, I'll be back in a bit. No. See, Greece, obviously, we've been out of business for a little while because of gun-toting and other problems in Greek football, uh, allegations of corruption and all the rest of it. Um, and they just started to get themselves back into action. But uh, only one game in Greece this weekend. Surely only a cultural expert like Mark Langdon can explain to us why that happened. Yeah, it's amazing isn't it, that football can actually um, can, can, can be such a great educator because it, I, I was wondering why are there no games in Greece? Assumed it was down to an owner threatening a referee with a gun or something like that. But no, 
Um, actually, it, it was due to the fact that um, Greeks celebrate Easter at a slightly different time, work off a different calendar. Um, and it, it's are the they on the after. Julian calendar? Yes, they are. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're the, the old Julian calendar, Danny, not even the new one. So is it, is the, is the Easter uh, holiday this weekend? Yeah, That's week long. So we've only had... Uh, one game, just to remind you, that AK are still, after all the shenanigans of recent weeks, five points ahead of Pauk at the top of the table. Olympiacos, a further point back. Um, what uh, what can you tell me about the, the fun in Belgium? Yes, um, Club Bruges, you were way clear before the, the, the split in terms of the playoffs. Their leads down to six. Ghent um, beat them uh, tonight, 1-0. Lazar Markovic uh, of Liverpool. On, that, makes, that makes their lead down to three, doesn't it? They were there. They had a twelve-point lead, half to six, and now they've lost. Have I got no, this wrong? no, no. They, um, that it was six points. Um, it was six points to Anderlecht, who lost themselves last week, but they then won, so it's still six points. Ghent have been the big team that have kind of um, made, made a, a challenge up. Um, there, see, um, I, I cannot follow this league. I thought I had it there for a moment. I grasped it. Yeah, um, no, the, it, it's not the easy one, but it, it's six points. All uh, right, six points. Uh, Markovic, yeah. first start for him since he joined um, Anderlecht on loan. I think there's a, maybe not to the Memphis standard, but there is a player in there, uh, maybe just moved to the wrong club when he went to Liverpool. Uh, he, he created the opener and a 2-1 win at Charleroi. You're mad for wingers, you are. Yeah, I, I know, I know. And I finally, let's go to Russia. And I want to mention this because um, uh, Mancini, all the stories are swirling around him just now, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think he's just such an ordinary manager. I mean, okay, he won stuff with Manchester City, but I mean, you have a look. He, he did terrible at Galatasaray. Inter, he did win trophies, but then Mourinho took over the team and won the treble. Um, so it kind of put what he was doing into some kind of uh, perspective. Yeah, he's been strongly linked with the um, with, with the Italy job, and he. he Chucked his players under the bus basically uh, this weekend. They lost two one to Krasnodar. Zenit's budget just blows everybody else in Russia out of the water. They are fifth in the Russian Premier League. So Mancini um, decided rather than blaming himself, he, he started blaming other people. So Rigoni, uh, one of the forwards who's got no goals, um, said it's unacceptable that a striker at this level should have no goals at this stage of the season, which is, is maybe true, but I don't think you, you need to dig him out. Then started saying that the ball boys would have scored some of the chances that they created. I'd be really, really, really careful about making him manager of that Italian football team. A team that needs rebuilding, needs his confidence restored, needs to bring the young players to. I'd be really careful he's about just that. Got, he's got, a, obviously, a big reputation from when he was a, a player, and he... he at Inter, he did win, you know, so he was a winner at Inter, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think he's, he must have a very good agent. Um, but he all, there's also talk in Russia that um, he he's kind of playing for the sack and that he wants to be sacked by Zenit to trouser loads of money and then become the Azuri coach. Um, he uh, knocked back those suggestions, says he's rich enough, doesn't need the money. And, you know, if he wanted to, he'd just he just walk away from Zenit. back those, those suggestions, Mark. It's fair to say thank you very much indeed. Oh, my old man's a dustman. He wears a dustman's hat. He wears gold blimey trousers. And he lives in the council flat. He looks a proper nana in his great big cocktail boots. He's got a job to pull them up that he calls them daisy roots. I could sing his entire song. It was one of the very first records I ever came across. Uh, my uncle had it in our house. My Old Man's a Dustman um, by Lonnie Donegan. Um, we cannot hear it all because uh, we've got so much to get through in our new section of Q&A where we ask you to ask questions about anything you want 
of our whoever my co-host is today it's mark langdon with some belting questions first up mark the toffee uh, mark langdon wants to know could you tell us about marcel brantz um he thinks he's on his way to Everton. Not a player, of course. He would replace Steve Walsh as director of football. This is true. Yeah, the, the, the talk in Holland that it's basically up to Brands whether he decides to leave uh, PSV, uh, who we mentioned about earlier, seven points clear at the top of the Eredivisie at the moment. Really made his name with RZ Alkmaar um, when they kind of became the... Uh, briefly, the dominant force really um, in, in Dutch football. He noted for making clever signings and also with, I mean, PS, uh, PSV are, I, I think, you know, one of the shrewder teams in the transfer market. And of course, Everton have made a lot of expensive mistakes um, in recent years. And a you know, suggestion maybe Steve Walsh, did he just get lucky at Leicester? Um, I mean, I, it's always difficult to know with, with how much influence they have on, are they signing all of the players, some of the players? really difficult um, to answer but certainly he's got a good reputation in Holland let's move on to another person um, of the Dutch nationality uh, this is from Bradley who's a Liverpool fan wants to know what you think of Bas Dost lots and lots and lots of goals uh, in Portugal would he be any good it says here in the Premier League no um, in a word he's, he's somebody that Gabriel Marcotti doesn't agree with you no no he does no 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 Gab sort of does um, Dost watch every, every week in his Monday column and it's because he's such a unique footballer and he scores loads of goals in, in Portugal doesn't get involved in any of the build up play um, just... useless against England recently and mainly beats up the, the kind of rubbish teams in Portugal. And there are tiny teams in Portugal um, that would kind of... I mean, we'd have non-league teams in England that are kind of bigger supported, better stadium facilities maybe than what we've got even in the top flight at the the bottom end of, of Portuguese football. So you're saying no to Bas Dost. Um, Duncan's a Spurs fan. He wants to know, why did the Udinese players all wear different shirts this weekend? Well, I'd like to say it's because they've been on such a terrible run that they were hoping... Try anything, to, yeah. Try anything, but it wasn't for that. It was actually for a good cause. Um, it, it, it was to, It's to raise money for a charity. All the shirts are to be sold. They, they were, Yeah, so it, it, a good spot there by, by Duncan that all the Udinese players wore just slightly different shirts today in their, in their defeat to Lazio. This is an interesting one. Ryan on Twitter, I mean... Uh, given the rivalry between English clubs, he wants to know something I've always wanted to know, he says. Why is it so casual and almost accepted that players move with such alacrity between AC Milan and Inter Milan? But I think that it's just... Um, there isn't that stigma attached to it um, that, that maybe there is in England. I think you could maybe throw the question the other way and say... Why is it such a problem in England for teams, you know, not to try? I mean, we've seen Matic, I know, not necessarily uh, a local rival, but we've seen plenty of players for Liverpool and Everton, um, you know, that, that have played for both clubs. Uh, I, I just think it's just commonly accepted that, you know, it's not that big a deal. So um, you're basically. you're perfectly okay with Alderweireld well to Arsenal for next season, are you? Look, I, I'm not saying I'm okay. There, there's there's an, another centre back that we won't even mention that that, that made a similar move. Yeah. Um, he, he never regretted. It. He's never regretted it once. But what? Or I'll mention it. Or he, mentioned it. It's. Um, I I think it's just it's just commonly accepted. I don't think there is what there is a suggestion um, that uh, that maybe players move more frequently between clubs in Italy and then don't even play for each other if you there's all kinds of deals that go on and um, that's more to do with tax uh, reasons maybe than uh, in Italy not, yeah but I'm not saying that I, I just think it's kind of commonly accepted that you you know it, it's it's a done thing I mean this is not fair because you've only got about 45 seconds um, but Billy on Twitter asked hypothetical question which English player would currently do best in Italy or Spain uh, I mean, I think that there's. A, I mean, the obvious one would be Harry Kane. I think he'd score anywhere. But somebody like 
um, John Stones. I, I think in a, a slower um, lead. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that Stones actually maybe would be even better suited playing in, say, Italy than, than what he would be maybe in England. He needs to still sharpen up tactically because Italy is very much about tactics. But I think he would he would certainly appreciate um, the, the slightly slower pace. And given his uh, current selection uh, status, that uh, he might be given that chance rather soon than, <laughs> than he might imagine. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport.